Welcome back to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Hey, Randy. <laughs> Hi, Bernie. So we have back with us today, Bernie Beitman, who you, I'm sure you will remember, we talked about, uh, he was with us a couple of months ago, and we were talking about synchronicities. And I know a lot of you really, really enjoyed that show. And when I was talking to Bernie, uh, I realized there was so much more we needed to cover. So we decided that we were going to do this again. Um, Bernie Beitman, MD, is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to systemize the study of coincidence. A graduate of Yale Medical School, he did his psychiatric residency at Stanford University. The former chair of psychiatry of the University of Missouri Columbia Medical School for 17 years, he writes a blog for Psychology Today on coincidence and is the co-author of the award-winning book, learning psychotherapy he is the founder of the coincidence project and he lives in charlottesville virginia and today we're going to be talking about his book meaningful coincidences oh look a coincidence <laughs> how and why synchronicity and serendipity happens and what's really interesting about the way that you approach this bernie is that you approach it it's not woo woo. You approach it from scientific points of view. You approach it from lots of different angles. Um, <clears throat> and I know that you've researched this for a long time. What got you into the study of synchronicity? My dog and my father. Um, uh, when I was uh, around eight or nine, I came home from school and uh, my dog Snapper wasn't in the yard as he usually was. And my mother was standing in the doorway and I, and I said, hey, Ma, where's Snapper? And she said, I don't know. Go to the police station. Maybe they know where he is. Now, being as you know, mothers and fathers, but what made my mother standing in the doorway, the dog's gone, tell me to go to the police station? What, do you, what would you guess? Somebody stole him? I don't know. Uh, I think it was a way of uh, not taking responsibility for watching him, which is what heard. So blame somebody You're else. The police station? I mean, that's a very odd thing to say. It's that's that's why I'm asking because uh, uh, <clears throat> I I don't know, but I thought it was very. Uh, it, I, she's my mother. I said okay, so I got on the back of my bike and went over to the elementary school, and for the first time in my life, I crossed the big road, which I knew on the other side was the police station. And parked my bike at the bottom of the stairs and walked up and pushed the big door open and uh, looked at the big desk. And there was the big policeman behind the desk. And I looked up and said, uh, have you seen my dog? And uh, I mean, talking, thinking about it again, it was such an innocent thing to do for a child to walk in and say that to somebody. But he said no. And I started crying and I can start crying now. And. I went back down the stairs and got on my bike. But instead of going uh, back the way I came, I was crying so much, I went the other way. And there coming toward me was a dog. And uh, the dog was walking the way Snapper does. And it was Snapper. And uh, I stop and he jumps up in my leg. And, you know, if dogs could talk, uh, he said to me, uh, what took you so long? Well, I had I had to make one wrong turn to find him. He had to have four turns from our house because he came from the other side. We made a circle. He went one way. I went the other way. Uh, and how does that happen became a question for me uh, that we could find each other. It's not just me finding him. It's him finding me. And I have developed this concept of human GPS or internal GPS that Snapper and I each had the ability to locate each other in three-dimensional space and time our movements so that we could run into each other. Wow. And people do that. Uh, people can do that. Show up where you didn't know how you, why you got there, but then something really cool happens. Mm -hmm. Or you, know, you save your brother's life mm -hmm. is some stories that I, uh, a story that I, uh, that I know about. So th the, the reason that, that I say that I began with, uh, with that story is that I, I really needed that dog. I, he was my best friend. Uh, we sniffed around in 
garbage cans for sniffing the ketchup and the mayonnaise and I'd mix them up and he'd sniff, I'd sniff. I mean, we did a lot of stuff together uh, and I needed him. Uh, and I, I, the reason that he started is because somehow this serendipity or human GPS, I prefer, uh, brought us together. So that that was one deep emotional start to how I got into this. That's an amazing story. Do you know what had ha actually happened? Had your mother just let him out the door? Did he run out the door? Do you Did you ever figure that out? We were in the family that did not talk too much about each other with each other. <laughs> we didn't. I mean, if you were my mother, you'd have said, what had you find him? You would have asked that. She that probably dropped the... him off like two cities away, you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> how, how, how did you find How did you find him? But uh, because I was a special son, I think my mother wasn't surprised. I think I could do no wrong. In fact, did a lot of right. Uh, as uh, we were talking about narcissisms and the golden child, which you are and I was, and uh, I think she just expected me to do it. And so <laughs> that, what's the big surprise? Bernie can do that. So that's that's we didn't talk about it, and we didn't talk about how he. Got, I, I think she wasn't watching him somehow in the way that she usually did, and he ran off. He got out, and then you said, "And your father? What was what was the?" Uh coincidence with your father well my father got me snapper um so that was a key part of my life uh, that my father understood i needed that dog and then uh, when i was uh, age 31 i was in san francisco um living in a victorian house in the fillmore district it was 11 p.m uh, on february 26th uh, 1973 and uh, I was standing at the sink at this 11 p.m. time, and I had something in my throat, and I couldn't get it out. I kept choking. I kept choking. I kept choking. And it seemed went on for a long time for me. I just had something. I couldn't get it out. Never before or after since had that happened. Wait, I just want to close this door. I'm ha we're having roof a roof put on, and they are so loud. Hold on. Mm. All right. Okay. So. Okay. <clears throat> so you couldn't get it out and i couldn't get it out and then finally i stopped i stopped choking and the next day my brother called and said my father who who was doing well apparently um but, but was in the hospital and recovering um at 2 a.m wilmington delaware time that's the same time as 11 p.m in san francisco three thousand miles away my father was also choking on his own blood choking 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 and dying choking on his own blood that's how he died so i said it's happening at the same time maybe there's some relationship between the two of them <laughs> just like uh, and it turned out that he died on the february 27th which just happened to be my birthday oh my gosh so it's a it's a way I thought he said to remember me, and I think somebody recently just helped me say think that whose brother died on uh, whose father died on her brother's birthday, that this was the way my father says uh, that he loves me, and I didn't really think about that until yesterday, and that's uh, I think there's something to that, not just remember me, but re remember that I love you very much. Um, and that's something I really wasn't able to experience uh, mm. until more recently. So that I memorialized my father by telling this story. Well, um, you know, in families such as yours, where you have, you know, a mother who is, a, let's just say, a personality disorder, uh, the other, the spouse is usually the enabling spouse, and it's and because they're so invested in enabling that spouse, they can't really be 100% of a loving parent to their children because there's no room for the kids. Wow, I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think, I mean, I can verify that, I think, now that you say it. By the time you come into the world, you're already crowded out because the enabling spouse is they're getting something out of this abusive relationship. And um, 
and they don't want to give up what they have, even though it's abusive. And the children, even though they are the more loving parent, when it push comes to shove, they're not there for you. You don't have an advocate. You're on your own. You're on your own. Spoken by someone who may know that. Uh, and, yeah. and being on my own is what I'm used to. I'm not used to, I'm not used to anybody uh, helping me. Uh, it, it's kind of a strange thing when that happens. Mm -hmm. So you, you're helping me. It's I'm like, helping you. Are you helping me? I'm helping you. I'm helping you. I mean, I, I was on my own. I never had an advocate and it got me into so many situations, but anyway, um, Let's move into conspiracy theories. How is this related to synchronicities? Uh, they are related because they look on the surface similar. Um, the, you, you have some strange event happen. Um, I'll, I'll use a power outage. Uh, happened a couple of years ago. So four major cities, there was a power outage around the same time. I think New York, L.A., and a couple other places around the same time so you can make up ideas about what made that happen was it sunspots that somehow burst out and make that happen uh other uh, other things overloaded um electrical grids or it's a conspiracy thing somebody made all four of those happen kind of not like a 9-11 thing and with conspiracy theories the the tendency is to take odd events and then apply your favorite explanation for it. Mm. it it's, the difference is that you know what's happening each time uh, some weird things happening, like uh, New Orleans getting uh, uh, a hurricane smashing it or uh, New York City getting hit by flooding. Uh, uh, fundamentalist religious leaders said it's because these these cities allow gays to exist mm -hmm. and, and so the, the conspiracy theorists have their own explanation that they apply to ambiguous uh, events coming together now this is not unlike uh, statisticians and coincidences uh, they know statisticians know that it's all random and you can explain every coincidence by uh by randomness and uh, the law of very large numbers, which means in large populations, any weird things can happen. And there are other people who say, no, this is divine intervention. Uh, the, the coincidences are, are created by a higher intelligence. Uh, the universe is one of the favorite terms people use for that now. So they're similar in the sense that they have already a prepackaged explanation and are not willing to look at the variables that might come with them. Right. Hmm. I can I can see that. I can see that. Once you see it, what does that make you think? I just think it's, you know, I think about myself and when I see that and it's like, because I'm a real big picture person and I am a universe and anything can happen in the universe kind of thinker. Um, I don't investigate things too, too much like that. I just say, well, you know, there's a reason for it happening. I was just talking to somebody today and I was telling her that you know, when I, if I'm driving and there's somebody in front of me who is so slow and it's making me late and then I finally get out from behind that person and I get behind another person and they got me blocked and I can't go anywhere. I say to myself, thank you. I say actually to the universe, thank you because you're holding me up for a reason. So that's the way I see things. I'm a big picture person. So, so for me, um, when things happen, I just allow the theory that, you know, there's a, there's some bigger reason for it. Well, there's, you're, you're under the category, everything happens for a reason. Uh, and that's not the same thing as explaining it by the universe or statistics. I mean, you may say that, universe is helping you and thank the universe but you're talking about pragmatics of resilience that when something bad happens you try to look for the positive in that 
you try to see what might be good about it and you can relax. And there's plenty of stories of uh, being glad that you didn't get to the airport because the, the plane got blown up. Right. Uh, and very and, and smaller versions of that. But those are let's be clear about uh, the two primary meanings in a meaningful coincidence uh, that that the two primary meanings are what it means to you personally. And that's what you mostly did. You said, I'm going to turn this into something that's positive for me. I'm not going to start uh, beeping my horn and screaming. That's not going to help anything. I'm going to say, I think there might be something positive in this. That's practical. Okay. And that's, that's, that's correct in my way of thinking about a situation like that, because you want to optimize your ability to function. But the other one is as universe uh, or explanation, as you were were talking about. Mm-hmm. So how does it happen that something like that happened with you that you get held up? Uh, and I like to think of personal agency as a a, a part of the puzzle uh, that we have capacities, and that's one of my main ideas. What I'm trying to say right now is that we have internal capacities that we call under the term intuition of a lot of things that we can do so i could make up a story about you selecting the time that you left and the route that you took Mm. uh, to have something to do with making that happen without you having known that you were doing that So what I, what I'm doing and what you do as a as a therapist is try to help people recognize their own personal responsibility in the mess that they're in, and that's what I just what I'm doing with uh, meaningful coincidences. I'm trying to suggest that it's not only these outside forces. There's mystery. There's probability. Mystery universe. Yeah, but it's not just those things. There's us in the middle of it making decisions that influence the outcome as well. Mm. I see. I understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. If I hear it, I don't necessarily deny it, but I'm not somebody who likes to dive deep into into explanations of things. You know, I just go, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. <laughs> I'm not really going to make too much of a stance on it, but uh, I'm going to be open-minded that it's possible. Well you, well, you do with some of your clients, you dive into explanation, you got a whole range of them. So you're not, uh, you're not immune to looking for how right. things happen. And you do it in a way that is practical. You try to like say, okay, this is how it might have happened. You got your theories, you got your models. I'm, I'm doing something similar with this, Randy. This, this, is, this is like, I'm curious. And there are plenty of people uh who are happy with the kind of global view of things and don't want to break things down the way I'm doing it. But I'm, I'm a guy too. I mean, there's a male female difference here that has something to do with it. It's not the only thing at all, but as a, as a kind of scientist, I mean, I went to school for a long time. I'm a recovering academic. (laughs) I I, I did a lot of like basic research thing, clinical research and try to organize psychotherapy so that, uh, it could be comprehensible and, and have a model. I like getting models of things. Mm-hmm. So my tendency and my contribution to all this is to encourage kind of in conspiracy theories. But but the conspiracy theory that I'm most in favor of is that you got something to do with this thing. And that's, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's a lot. You can go really... That can really open up a lot of thinking there. It can. And what, again, since uh, we're both in the therapy business, opening up the thinking is recognizing power that you don't recognize you have. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea. It's like, like, I like talking with therapists about this stuff because it's not unlike what we do in therapy is trying to figure out how is it that this coincidences happened that I have something to do with just like how did I get into this bad relationship well let's look at that well let's how did what did I contribute and what power am I missing in myself mm-hmm. and I, I include uh, telepathy the story of, of my father was uh, telepathic my father and I 
we're telepathically communicating with each other. Now, you might wonder about the use of the word tele telepathy there, but the original meaning of telepathy was tele, which means at a distance, and pathy, feeling, distress, some kind of feeling, passion, pain, at a distance, telepathy, telephone, telepathy, telephone here at a distance, but it became more cognitive. Telepathy became more cognitive. So as a result of my being involved with this experience with my father, I wanted to see if other people experienced the pain of a loved one at a distance. And I got the data to show, yeah. And there are other, other data sets that show, yeah. But telepathy in the old days was the same thing. So I say we have the capacity to experience the minds and emotions of other people who are not in the same place as we are. I agree. I agree. And I think the closer you are connected to that person, the more, because uh, I do it with my kids, you know, I can tell when something's not right. All of a sudden, I'll be agitated or something. I won't feel right, you know, and something's going on. Exactly. That is what the data shows. Mm -hmm. Closeness. And, and the biggest one is a parent and child. Second one is good friends. That's right. Um, so let's go to, um, you have like six, you say there's six puzzling cases in this book. Um, there was one burning lungs. What was this from you? Was this what you were telling us about or no, this is something. Oh, this is a different, somebody else's story. Okay. So what, what happened with that? Well, it's uh it's written down there so you've got it and uh i'm going to i'm okay. i'm going to remind myself a bit of it um, okay all right because uh it starts off with a, a woman uh about to go visit her uh father uh in denver colorado and they uh and she had some time so she went to uh, a bookstore um to uh just hunt around in a bookstore and uh, i think it's a fairly common um experience for people to go into a bookstore and and uh find somehow a book that is relevant to them one of the, one of the ways that's happened is the book falls off the shelf and hits you on the head uh, that does happen and, uh, or hit you on the foot or what it did with me with a, with a book that got me into, uh, Stanford as a resident, um, because of the person who was interviewing me was surprised to see that I was reading this book and he, because he was, so this is called a library angel sometimes. Uh, so, uh, this, this, this person, uh, was in a bookstore um and wandering around and then what she described was a book that uh called out to her called mind programming by eldon taylor so she bought the book and some other person told me about a book just shining towards her as a book about positive psychology and she got a master's degree in positive psychology as this book was being drawn to her that this this ability we have to pick out stuff that's relevant to us mm -hmm. is part of what i try to emphasize emphasize with mm -hmm. this randy is this is these are causal explanations for some of these coincidences that we have this ability to to find stuff uh in strange ways i'm so smiling the, because you know how i was saying that um you know i had to kind of find my way out of my you know issue and um when i was at the lowest point in my life i used to go to the library i know a lot of people listening don't even know what a library is anymore because there's there's google but i would go to the library and i'd stand there and i'd say something please speak to me i, I didn't know what i was looking for and um the woman the book women who love too much just jumped out at me and it was such a defining moment in my life because it talked about codependency and i hadn't realized that i was behaving that way i just thought things were happening to me i had no idea that i had a hand in this or that my background had sort of 
prepared me to behave this way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. And that was a major turning point for me in my life. And so after that, I would always do it whenever I felt like I just didn't have the answers. I would stand there in the self-help section or the paranormal section or whatever it was and just go, something, speak to me. You know, it's really funny hearing you tell that story because that is such a beautiful ex description of personal agency. And yet you say you're not a, a person who looks for explanation. There's more. You know, no, I, you're right. You're absolutely right because I am somebody who does dive in. It, it has to really interest me, though. It has to really be something that I find interesting. Otherwise, you know, if it's just something that's going on with politics or uh, science or something like that, that doesn't interest me enough to dive in. But if something really stimulates me, I will. I'll, I'll dive in to the point where I won't give up until I get my answers. And you're confirming what's in my book, um, that uh, that need and high emotion, as well as transition, are big drivers of coincidences. Those are conditions that increase the likelihood. And you had a need, and you felt it, and you acted on it. That makes it happen. Interesting. So... Uh, on the flight back uh, home the next day, she got to a particular chapter uh, in the book, and suddenly she put the book down. She knew that she had gotten the information she needed. In that chapter, the author recounted a story about his wife, who just happened to read on a cereal box <laughs> that the sensation of burning lungs can be an indication of a heart attack. Wow. And and here again, uh, she recognizes intuitively, and this word intu intuition is is currently being expanded. We there's so many things underneath it. She 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 recognized that's why she got the book, and she just put it down. And this, the author had been experiencing on and off this uh, burning lungs thing. Uh, this led led the author to go to a doctor within a few days, and he uh, he. Uh, that saved his life. So my fa her father was picking her up at the airport, and he started complaining that his lungs were burning. So we can call these things precognitive. You can call it whatever you want. I think she was simulpatheting him. I think she was picking up intuitively his, like I did with my father, but in a not so direct way, but then could recognize that what she was feeling was called burning lungs. And uh, that's what her father was feeling uh, when he picked her up and had been for a while. He said he was fine, but since she read that symptom, and it isn't a common symptom, she insisted he go to the ER and they ran the tests and he was having a heart attack. He would not have made it back home, she thought, to Colorado Springs because his right artery was 99% blocked. Oh, my gosh. Well... You know, I feel like um, I've experienced so many weird things in my life, whether it be health-wise or whatever, that have prepared me to be able to recognize or help other people. So I feel like I've gone through a lot of things so that I can be there to prepare, help other people through things that they don't understand. And so I can really relate to that. It's like if I'm going through something, I go... Well, somebody probably needs this, to hear this from me at some point. So I'm going to go through it and then I can help somebody else through it. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, it's a kind of a, a kind of a rough precognitive thing. Yep. <laughs> but it is. It, it's also a very resilient thing. I mean, turning the thing into not just about you, but it's how you could help somebody. So, I mean, you're, your, your pragmatics with these coincidence things is pretty good. All I'm trying to do is get you and our listeners and, and watchers to see that, uh, that we all have capacities that we have been told we don't have or haven't been told that we do have. And I'm here uh, because I'm a psychiatrist and I can I'm 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 stamped for approval by society to say what's crazy and what isn't. Right. And <laughs> this stuff ain't crazy. It's just uh, a part of reality that, that we haven't been told exists. I really, I, I really enjoy this topic. I, I think it's so fascinating.
um, because it just speaks to, you know, there, there's just so much more than what we think is here. We just, yeah, yeah. we have, we, we are only aware of such a minute portion of what reality really is. Yeah, and uh, and the people who go really way out with what reality is, um, and some of those discussions are about angels and about um, conversations with the dearly departed. And I think there's something to all that. Uh, I'm more and more getting tuned into the possibility, and have, uh, but I would like to have models for how to explain it. And I think we all live in a mental atmosphere like our earth atmosphere i call it the psychosphere and it's not just my term it's been around for a while and that psychosphere we exchange energy and information and with it we take it in we we put it out and so it kind of with your desire to help people uh you kind of know that within your psychospheric sphere um what you're going through you're going to be seeing a mirror of uh sometime later and recognizing that we are not little islands all to ourselves. And we kind of know that. And we know that everything's connected and we say that. But how are we not islands to ourselves? How is everything connected? And one of the ways that we are connected is within the Randy's sphere, you can make predictions based on your own experience that you're going through something, not just about you, but about somebody else that's going to experience something like what you're experiencing and you'll know how to better help them. We're connected in very specific ways sometimes. Right. And it's interesting as you're saying that I'm thinking, cause, cause you really, you know, made a point of saying how um, I do look into things, which I really had initially said I don't. And um, because when something, because it's just throughout my life, I've had just my health conditions have not been anything that were, you could read about in a book or that a doctor could figure out so it's always been things where i had to really like pound the pavement read and learn and try this practitioner and this practitioner to find a you know to try to find the answers to them and so i've made discoveries of things that nobody else could figure out you know and then eventually i'm going to hear about that with somebody else and i'm going to go yeah i <laughs> i know how to do this that's very cool. I mean, it's one of the things about um, you and I being golden childs, and I think it's our, um, your audience knows of something about that, but that we're kind of special, but we're also on our own. And being on your own, you got to figure it out by yourself. And so nobody's telling you how to look because nobody's helping you. And the help sometimes ain't so good. I mean, I have my sons give me help and I learning not to listen to them because uh, <laughs> I don't like it and I've gotten into trouble with some of it. So we we get these helpful advisors and no, sometimes you got to not listen to that. You got to follow what you're what you know and what you're experiencing and what you stumble into. And because you and I are just kind of adventurers out there having to figure it out ourselves, we bump into stuff that a lot of other people don't bump into or they might, but not notice it very well. That's a, that's a really interesting explanation. And I never saw it from that point of view. But yeah, that that. That really pretty much sums it up. Yeah, it, uh, it's uh, it's it's <laughs> it it makes um, our lives uh, an adventure because there's always this because there's always something you're going to find. Like one of the things that, that I really love is interpersonal energy, uh, and it's not like I'm the first one to describe it, but I can experience that on the dance floor. And as well as with my patients, and that's so interesting that we have energy that's not only around us, but energy that can go reach out to somebody whose energy can come to you, and you can form an energy cylinder between the two of you that vacillates, gets bigger and more connected, that constricts, that pulls back, and these are real, these are real things that I know by my experience exist but i was told it doesn't but other dancers know about it hmm. so you're a dancer yeah man yes <laughs> i'm a dancer and there's this real good dancer at dance that i've been trying to be able to be as 
dance with as she's really good and i have danced with her now a couple of times and it's so much fun really? uh, so you do you know all the different kinds of dances no i only know what we make up together it's a oh. it's, it's a five rhythms or do whatever you want kind of thing mm-hmm. and it, it there's contact improv which is you have contact with each other but it's like jazz there's a structure to it uh but then you do uh, a lot of funny things within it that are spontaneous <laughs> that are improvisational and wow. it's mostly an improvisational but there are basic ways of doing it and there's certainly rules and there are kind of boundaries that get crossed sometimes but you got to be careful but it's if you keep it in the dance floor that's good but if you get out of the dance floor the, it gets crazier sometimes good and bad um but it's it's uh, yes i like to dance that's interesting i would have never known that about you if you hadn't brought that up yeah i well, guess you really can't tell if somebody's a dancer unless all they have this, oh. you know svelte kind of body or whatever all i kinds. can't see maybe you do yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> I was bringing that up, Randy, because he can stumble onto stuff and nobody tell, told me about it. And, I, and I'm going like, hey, I can feel this. <laughs> and then other people could tell me they could feel it, too. And then I can just play with it. So that's what you can do is like stumble across somebody that something that nobody told you about. And then you kind of like try to figure it out. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that's part of the fun of being a golden child and you end up in a way being a golden child by doing that right it used to frustrate me because it's like why do these things keep happening that nobody understands they're weird i've never heard about them before and i'm going through it and it's holding me back in my life and i finally had to just look at it differently and say no i'm experiencing this for a reason and we're going to just ride it out because I used to get really frustrated with my body and, and things that would happen. And then I began to realize, well, you know, I've always been able to use this down the line. So, okay, I'll, I'll suffer a little for someone else. <laughs> oh, we have a martyr on our, on our a martyr. Don't. I'm a martyr. Oh yes, I am a classic martyr. Oh my <laughs> goodness. No. So nice to meet you. Yeah, no, no, no. I never want to be a martyr never want to be a martyr so um just going through here it's a good idea to avoid it but the what you did is martyr like uh that you're going to suffer for other people that's why i brought it up i know i I hear you (laughs) after i said it i'm like hmm i don't want to suffer for other people but it's like there's a there's a reason for the yeah, and that's that's what's nice. I mean, uh, there's several things that I think is important for our viewers to hear uh, from you is your ability to turn the negative into something positive. It, it's that's that's so essential for resilient and fun living. Best you can. Yes, resilience is something that you know. You were talking about being the golden children without having uh, a parent advocate where we're figuring it out for ourselves. Yeah. I started teaching myself resilience from a very young age by challenging myself with dangerous things. I would put myself in situations at a very young age to see how I could handle them. I talk about this. I use many, several examples of this in my book, uh, Cliff Edge Road, where I, where I tell, it's the memoir where I tell the story about, you know, coming from this narcissistic family and um the messages that just wrong messages that were sent to me that sent me on this pursuit you know i mean i you hear that banging it's the roof yeah um and i would literally put myself in danger and see how i could work my way out of it like with Uh people or situations i got myself i would put myself in situations i i did that playing football Those big boys want to knock me down. <laughs> I ran with the ball, so I was like the guy they wanted to knock down. Yeah, I, I, and I, you know, just wandering around on Hate Street in the late '60s had a certain danger to it too. Uh, and so, I, it can you get in a situation and get out of it? 
and it's always calculated you gotta have some boundaries to like make sure you can get out of it i mean mm -hmm. not just throwing yourself right. like i'd walk down some dangerous streets in in san francisco and and just walk kind of confidently to see if i could get through it uh and yeah it, that's 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 a good thing to do because it builds up your confidence uh builds up your willingness and ability to challenge yourself and challenge other situations i talk about in uh in cliff edge road i talk about a situation where i was um somebody was trying to kidnap me from a from a shopping center and i outsmarted him i played the whole thing and i outsmarted him and i knew i could have just gotten away from him i knew i could have called somebody or yelled for somebody but I wanted to make sure I outsmarted him and he knew that he couldn't get over me. <laughs> and I did, I outsmarted him. <laughs> so yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. So what else do we need to know, Bernie, about coincidences that we haven't talked about? We need to know that uh, the UN just said, uh, we're, we're warming up this place too fast. And it's been saying it for like a long time. And the oil, com oil companies have known it since for 60 years and didn't want to tell anybody about it because it's hurt profits. We are in uh, a dangerous place now. And capitalism is a major issue in the way it's being currently run. And we've got to be able to do something about uh, uh, this uh, slow suicide that we're doing to ourselves uh, through heating up our planet. And it's not enough for us to talk about how Randy could avoid being kidnapped or how Bernie could, like, uh, find his dog. Uh, we've got to use these experiences in a collective way. And that collective way means recognizing uh, how meaningful coincidences show us how we are connected and to whom we are connected. Why do that? Because we have to not just be ourselves narcissistically functioning in the world, trying to get what we want, even though we might be spiritual and believing that everything is wonderful and we could do it stuff and everything's connected. That's not enough, ladies and gentlemen. We got to be doing here right now. We got to be doing something together collectively. And what I'm suggesting is that we are part of this uh, psychosphere, this mental atmosphere, and within it, we can see how we're connected. And with the, when I talk about interpersonal energy, we can find people whose energy we resonate with, because there are some people that I just feel really good being with. And just feeling one of my friends just left yesterday, and I just like being around her. And she likes being around me. It just feels good. I just can be happy, relaxed. And I love her mind and I love her heart. And it's just so nice being with her. And we can find more people like that and form kind of a, an organ as part of the collective human organism, that we are all part of this collective human organism. And we have purposes in each one of them. Yours is to help people get out of their narcissistic traps and it's a very important one because that will help us get together to connect with other people better. The psychotherapy part in this is very important because it's not just the, the oil companies that are the problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's us. We don't get along together very well. We don't like each other, a lot of us. We have a lot of like shadow things that get us mad at people and get us separated from people. And the narcissistic work you are doing is a big, big help in that direction, Randy, to be able to take responsibility for how I cause problems in my relationships so that I can be better united with other people whose energy I'm close to so that we can form organ systems within the collective human organism that can then imagine a future that and create it that's better than the one that we're blindly moving towards now and how does that so how does that relate to the global warming <clears throat> once we are able to create a collective human organism we can do what can happen with meaningful coincidences we can imagine a better future the collective human organism can 
imagine and then enact a better future of which there are many suggestions going on out there they end up being conflictual the global warming is a result of our own selfishness in heating up the planet with stuff from the planet and we've been that's one example of something that we can do differently uh, the United States burns more energy than mo all other countries in the world and double a lot and triple uh, uh, a lot of other countries. And we have to stop doing that in the United States. And we have to stop help other people to be able to get water. <laughs> Some are losing water because of the heat. There are there's grains. There's there's a whole list of things that we can do differently. Vegetarian. But we have to have an image that's more than just these pragmatic things. We have to see that we're all part of the same thing. And what we can do here on this planet is have a much better time than we are now with the anxiety that's driving so many people. Let's have fun here. I'm here to think the earth can be a great playground. Uh, we can love and, you know, I like dancing. People like music, like helping each other. There's so many fun things that we can do with each other instead of being frightened about what is happening to us we can take more control over it just like we talk about as therapists take more control over our lives and our relationships and work together and play together in a way that ways that i can't tell you but are being imagined now mm -hmm. to be able to do it collectively and do something about the global warming among other things interesting yeah i mean i um, I've written a few articles about um, how <clears throat> I don't think, you know, a lot of times when people are upset about an issue that's going on, they'll protest and they become angry and they're pushy and violent and the signs and all those kind of things. And to me, that's just putting up resistance against the thing you're resisting. <laughs> you know, to me, that's like saying, you know, it, instead of allowing for the flow and just like, being positive about it and just saying, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to have a different thought process. I'm going to have a different energy about this to just like start getting angry and putting up resistance. Because to me, that just promotes the very thing they're fighting. Do you understand? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, you're talking about a different form of protest, really. Uh, it, it's it's one that uh, is like Aikido, the Japanese martial art, is trying to be able to use the energy of the enemy against them and you can take that energy and do something positive with it mm -hmm. uh, donald trump for all his awfulness takes bad things that happen to him and turns it into money makers for himself mm -hmm. he likes to have people uh protesting and and making things bad for him because mm -hmm. he's got a well of people that will pay him money because he can be a victim and make that Tap make money come in his direction to pay for whatever he wants to pay for it so it's you have to look at these guys who are doing awful things to see the patterns that they use the processes they use that that can be used in a more beneficial way hmm. very interesting well gosh i didn't know this conversation was going to go in this direction but i like it it's really interesting well, it has. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 we have to think more globally, uh, Randy, and mm -hmm. and you have it mm -hmm. in what you're doing. You see, you think globally with uh, your narcissism, and know it. It's worldwide, and what you you are contributing something that needs to be expanded. Uh, what you have for your ideas in your book and your in your heart uh, can be expanded to a wider population because it's. We need to be able to get along with each other better. We need to have better boundaries with each other. And we need to be able to recognize that we want to love and be loved. And that's so hard to be able to love and be loved. It's scary to love and it's, and it's frightening to be loved. Uh, we've had problems with that with our with our mothers and other people. But we have to be able to love and be loved and be able to play and have a good time together and invent things that we never even thought were possible. Like mm -hmm. this person I'm dancing with, I never thought I really could dance with her. Uh, and a couple of people just watching us just been amazed by how well we were dancing together. I mean, it's like I got opposite feedback. Uh, it, it, we can do things 
put our minds to it, put our hearts to them and, and help make it happen. Hmm. Great message. Thank you. Message. It's not unlike yours. Yeah, we're kind of in sync here a little bit. A little uh, bit. A little bit. <clears throat> so, Bernie, um, is there anything you want to leave us with? I know you have something to do in a little while, so we need to wrap this up. But is there anything you want to leave us with? The greatest thing you can ever learn is to love and be loved in return. And do we want to help how? How uh, open do we want to be with that? Safely open. Safely open, okay. Safely open. I mean, <clears throat> you and I have both, and I've done that just recently, been too open-hearted with a narcissistic person. And you got to be careful. Uh, you got to know the other person very well. So what I guess, you know, one of the messages that I have is that with uh, when you have a meaningful coincidence, uh, with somebody else. It's not just about you. It's about that other person. And the other person's experience of it is not the same as yours. Hmm. So so you've got to be able to see how it works for the other person. I've had to make myself do this because it gets so caught up in our own minds. So you got to ask the other person what the other person's experience of the of the coincidence is and that's going to help bring you that's going to help bring you closer together because what we don't have and you probably had the same problem i'm going to tell you about i have been very caught up in my own mind just like my mother was and i've had trouble looking at the minds of the other person and a big effort for me, but it's also a worldwide necessity, is look at the mind of the other person in the coincidence, but more generally as well. Because we, one of the hardest questions for some people to answer is, Randy, what do you think I think of you? Yeah. What do you think I think of you? Whoa, that's a big one. Narcissists have a lot of trouble with that. That's a good question to ask one. I do it for my listeners. Ask your narcissist that. <laughs> That's a good one. What do you think I think of you? Wow. That'll blow their mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's been so good to see you again. Have you back? I this this was a great conversation. <clears throat> yeah, well, so, we enjoy we enjoy each other, Randy. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <clears throat> so we're talking about meaningful coincidences. Get this book, guys. It's um really cool. If you're I like holding it up when you hold it up. Twins, if um you know if, if you like this topic, get this book because Bernie goes into this in such just amazing detail and just in so many different ways. So thank you. I'm glad we, we got to talk again. Really um Thanks, Randy. I am too. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you.